From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Well, I'm just relaxing in front of the fire with the latest copy of Low Power DJ Quarterly. Hey, get a load of this new improved Space Age dust collector profiled in the back. It says here it utilizes electectonic technology. This dude doesn't need to be pushed around. You just put it in one spot and it intelligently sucks up all the dirt in the entire house. Then it does an analysis of the contents of the dust, statistically categorizing it into pet dander, human skin and hair, belly button lint, and breadcrumbs. It then prints out this data along with a graphical depiction of year-to-date totals and compares to dust bunny elimination targets. I'll need a part-time job if I'm going to save up the scratch for one of these babies. Let's have a look at the Help Wanted ads in the back. Let's see now. Well, they need they need laborers for building a giant pyramid. Nah, been there, done that. They need a janitor down at the school. Hey, they're hiring seasonal workers down at the salt mine. While I'm filling out this here application, Bing Crosby and Paul Whiteman and his orchestra will give us a 1928 There Ain't No Sweet Man That's Worth the Salt of My Tears. Like a leaf on a tree that's coming loose from the stem. Shaking like a leaf on a tree because I'm coming loose, my man. I'm like a weeping willow, weeping on my pillow. For years and years, there ain't no sweet man that's worth the soul of my <laughs> Down and down he dragged me like a pony me. For years and years, there ain't no sweet man That's worth the salt of my Ba-da-da, ba-da-da-da Although I may be blue Still I'm blue 
I must tell him goodbye Rather than have that man Gonna lay me down and just die Oh, broken heart, mister Aggravated, mister Lend me your ears There ain't no sweet man That's worth the fault of mine was a very early Bing, one of his very first recordings from 1928. There ain't no sweet man that's worth the salt of my tears. Mr. Crosby was there with the Paul Whiteman Orchestra. And speaking of salt, I landed a job at the salt mine, trying to increase my financial portfolio, he might say. I'm at an entry-level position. They want me to go around the highways and byways sweeping up the salt left over from the winter road maintenance to recycle for next year. And as long as we're on the road, we're going to travel with Louis Jordan and his Timpany 5 to Salt Pork, West Virginia.
That was the 1944 Salt Lake City Bounce, Tiny Bradshaw and his orchestra, and we traveled there all the way from Salt Pork, West Virginia, courtesy of Louis Jordan and his 1945 Timpany 5. I'm just working to pick up some extra cash to buy the latest electectonic space-age dust collector. My old one is sick, and they, they like me here at the salt mine. In fact, I've been promoted before I was sweeping up salt from the roadsides, and now I'm an assistant prospector. I go around tasting the soil to see if it's salty, so they know where to start a new salt mine. It's an important position. So while I'm conducting my investigations, here's Charlie Jackson with Freddie Keppard's Jazz Cardinals with the 1926 Salty Dog. Thank you. 
one likes it caught me kissing his wife, you salty dog. Get it, Papa, Charlie. Are you salty dog? God made a woman, he made a mighty funny. They lift around her mouth, sweeter than the honey, you salty dog. Mama, you talk his own. Thank you. 
Dizzy Gillespie in 1945, Salt Peanuts. Before that, we heard Salty Dog, brought to us from 1926 by Charlie Jackson with Freddie Keppard's Jazz Cardinals. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Cracklin' Jane. And, well, it's a long story. My, my dust collector broke down, and there's a new space-age model I want to buy that does everything including sucking up stray hair and analyzing them for nutritional deficiencies. Only I can't afford it. So I got a temporary gig working at a salt mine. And it's going pretty well. I've been promoted twice. Right now they're having me draw up tasteful architectural plans for the pillared rooms found in the underground salt mine shafts. Now I should point out that another way to mine salt is from seawater which involves a lot of filtering and evaporation and so forth. Bessie Smith can give the 1924 particulars with this salt water blues.
with salt water cowboy with the whole group for his range just a salt water cowboy in the dirty rises range he's rounding up his country's foes wherever they may be he's a salt water cowboy a united states marine get along little nippy i can hear my singing pal I'm taking you to pasture in a barbed wire corral. He's the salt of the earth, boys, and is long and lank and lean. He's a saltwater cowboy, a United States Marine.
Take your keys so to cool down I don't want you hanging around Oh, you make me weary and you make me mad And you make me everything but glad Take your keys and sort your pillow down Some songs of salt water. That was Salt Your Pillow Down, Jimmy Johnson with the 1950 Jack Rhodes Ramblers. Before them, Dude Martin and his Roundup Gang in 1949 with Salt Water Cowboy. And they were preceded by Bessie Smith with her 1924 Saltwater Blues. I'm really moving up the corporate ladder at this salt mine. I just got a temp job here just to get some extra money, and I keep getting promoted. First I was sweeping up old salt on the roads, and then I was prospecting for new salt mines, then drawing up architectural plans. But I'm not sure how long I'll last in my latest position. They got me looking through a microscope all day, cutting the salt into tiny cubes for retail sale. It's very exacting work, but it is a skill set that is needed in both the salt and sugar industries. And here to give a musical take on this concept, Joe Raymond and his orchestra, Salt Your Sugar.
double dose of Salt Your Sugar. We heard Joe Raymond and his orchestra. And not to be outdone, the Jazz O'Harmonist just put in their two cents on the matter. Both those recordings from 1923. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Cracklin' Jane, and I confess I handed in my resignation at the salt mine. Cutting the salt into those tiny squares was giving me a royal headache. I will say they treated me very well. And when I picked up my paycheck on the way out, they gave me a block of salt carved into a replica of the corporate headquarters. I now have enough money to send for that space-age dust-o-rama electectonic dirt collector I have my heart set on. It doesn't move around. You just set it in a corner somewhere and it sucks in all the dust from the entire house not only from the floors, but the baseboards, the tops of the bookcases, the crumbs on the kitchen counters. Then you can choose whether it turns the refuse into compost or raw material for a 3D printer. And speaking of the sweet life I'll have when I get the thing, here is Fats Waller in 1936 with Sugar Rose.
Well, all right. was the 1938 Benny Goodman Quartet with Sugar. And before that, we heard Fats Waller in 1936 play Sugar Rose. And now the Mills Brothers are even sweeter than Sugar. Here they are in 1934. You're a thousand times sweeter than sugar Sweet honey baby of mine I tell the world I'm 
crazy about you Spit on your circle divine You got a smile like sunny skies And you know I idolize That wondrous you With Asia blue in your eyes And all the world seems sad So sad and heavy When I know you are near Oh, without you, honey The life seemed like a week I mean a year And I think of all the loving that I used to do And I quit it all saving it for you Crazy
King Oliver and his 1927 Savannah Syncopators, Sugarfoot Stomp. Before that, we heard Sweeter Than Sugar with the Mills Brothers in 1934. Uh, excuse me a sec. Thank you. Oh, that's interesting. A box just arrived. About the size of a toaster. And weighing almost nothing. Let's see what's in here. Hey, it's my new Space Age Dirt Orama Dust Collector, Mark IV model. Can this be right? It's so small. The instructions say to leave it out in the sun to charge up before the first use. So while we wait, Teddy Wilson and his orchestra will provide a sweet little 1935 musical interlude. Here is Sugar Plum.
That was Teddy Wilson and his 1935 orchestra who gave us Sugar Plum. Well, it's time to try out my new Atomic Age Mark IV Electectonic Dustorama Dirt Collector. Whoa! My hair is standing on end! All the dust in the house is disappearing! Damn, that didn't take long. Printing out a report. Let's see. The dust is comprised of 49% dead skin cells, 31% textile fibers, various crumbs, pollen, dirt, paper, hair, meteor particles. Dang! It's, it says we used to have mice about 18 months ago. And it found the black pepper I spilled that rolled under the oven. Speaking of which, here's Eddie Davis and his orchestra with his 1949 black pepper. Pepper from the year 1949. That was Eddie Davison's his orchestra. And this concludes the musical portion of Round the World today. We saw an advertisement in Low Power DJ Quarterly for the Space Age Solar Powered No Moving Parts Elect Tectonic Dustorama Dirt Collector. 
the Mark IV artificial intelligence model. And we just had to have one. But we didn't have the money. Did we take out a loan? No! We got a temp job at the salt mine. And did very well there, I might add. Performing some very important roles. And our new toy has us blown away, so to speak. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. Now that the house is spotless and we have discharged all our labors, we're going to relax with the 1945 Lux Radio Theater adaptation of Murder, My Sweet, starring Dick Powell. So let's listen. Lux presents Hollywood. Radio Theater brings you Dick Powell, Claire Trevor, June Dupre, and Mike Mazurki in Murder, My Sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, your guest producer, Mr. Irving Pitchell. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. In answer to the proverb that a leopard cannot change its spots, We bring you tonight a gentleman who turns his back on many years of light and frothy roles by which he climbed to stardom and takes the part of a ruthless, hard-as-nails detective in a drama as relentless as the crimes that it unfolds. He's Dick Powell, hailed so enthusiastically as Philip Marlowe in RKO's sensational success, Murder, My Sweet. Co-starred with him in her screen role as the fatal and mysterious Helen is Claire Trevor, also June Dupre whose natural loveliness would lead us to expect a touch of romance in our play. And towering above our microphones is Mike Mazurki, as the quietly alarming Moose Malloy. Four characters of widely different natures and conflicting motives, involved in one of the screen's most baffling and complex mysteries, a story that in its published form was one of the best-selling thrillers of our time. Most of the action of Murder, My Sweet takes place right here in Hollywood, not too far from our stage. If you saw the picture, you've seen many Hollywood sights from Malibu Beach to Sunset Towers, from the skyline of Los Angeles to the canyons of our hills, landmarks as native to Hollywood as the radio and motion picture studios from which these dramas come. And now, we take you to the downtown section of our city and the first act of Murder, My Sweet, starring Dick Powell as Philip Marlowe, Claire Trevor as Helen, June Dupre as Anne, and Mike Mazurki as Moose Malloy. When you got something to say, start at the beginning. Okay. It's 7 o'clock at night, and I'm in a 2 by 4 coupe I call my office. I sit at my desk and look at the sign on the door. Philip Marlowe, it says. Philip Marlowe, private investigator. Hmm. That's a nice title for somebody you go to see when you don't want to see the law. I was tired out. I'd been out peeking under old Sunday sections for a barber named Dominic, whose wife wanted him back. I forget why. Anyway, I didn't find him, and the only reason I took the job was because my bank account was trying to crawl under a duck. I just found out all over again how big Los Angeles is. My brain felt like a plumber's handkerchief. I took out my little black book and decided to go grouse hunting. Nothing like soft shoulders to improve my morale. I'm dialing a number when the door opens and he walks in. The mountain that walks like a man. 
The biggest mug I ever saw outside of a sideshow. You, Marlowe? Yeah? I seen your name downstairs. They had the names that was in the building. You're a private eye, huh? That's right. I'd like you to look for somebody. I'm closed up, pal. I looked for her where she worked, but I've been out of touch. Come around tomorrow, we'll talk about it. I think maybe we should do it now. Let go of me, you big ape. I don't mean to do nothing. Here, I'll give you some dough. You come with me. Okay. Okay, I come with you. It ain't far. A cafe on Central Avenue. We can pick up a cab. The place was called Florian's. It looked like trouble, but that didn't bother me. The 220s, the big lug had dropped, felt nice and snug against my appendix. I tried to figure out who he was looking for. I tried to picture him in love with somebody, but it didn't work. They changed this place a lot. There used to be a stage in some boots. Lattice work and pink flowers. She was cute like a bug's ear. A redhead. Eight years since I've seen her. Six years she didn't write. But she'll have a reason. Yeah, yeah, she'll have a reason. What did you do here, singer? Yeah. Let's you and me nibble a couple. Hey, Jack. Yeah? Whiskey. Hey, boss, he's here again. He said you're here again. Yeah. I come in before. I try to find her. Now, look, big boy, I told you once I'm sorry about your girl, but she ain't here. Her name is Velma. You never heard of Velma, Mr. Florian? She used to work here. You better drink up, Joe. That lady at the end of the bar. Maybe she knows. I have to request you don't bother the customers, see? Lady, you remember a girl used to work here? Her name was Velma. You talking to me? I said leave the customers alone. So far you rate me polite, huh? I don't bother you none. Swallow your drink and get out of here. Get out of my way. Come on, pal. Eight years is a lot of gin. They don't know anything about Velma here. Some guys has the wrong idea when it gets fancy. Boss was no lightweight, but Moose picked him up like a rag doll and dropped him in the corner pocket. Moose seemed a little dazed as he walked out, and I tagged after him down the street. That guy in there, he shouldn't have talked to me like that. Sure, sure, pal. What's the next stop? Who asked you to stick your face in? Remember me? I'm the detective you hired, Chunky. Oh, the name is Moose. Cut him, I'm large. Moose Malloy. That place ain't like it used to be. There used to be a stage and some boots. You said that. Maybe I told you too much. Maybe I... Let go my arm. Huh? We was to be married, me and Velma. Well, you figure I've been them eight years I said about. Catching butterflies. San Quentin I've been. Look, you find Velma for me, huh? Has she got a last name? Velma Valento. Now you beat it. Sure, sure. How do I get in touch with you? I get in touch with you. Tomorrow, maybe. So tomorrow comes, and I'm thinking about Moose Malloy and that bucket-of-mud look on the face of the boss and Florian's when I hear footsteps coming my way down the hall. Moose was coming back, except it wasn't Moose. It was another new customer. Good-looking guy, well-dressed, like a movie star. Mr. Marlowe, my name is Marion. Come in, come in. Who put in the pitch for me, Mr. Marion? Pitch? Oh, no one, no one. I... I saw your name in the classified section of the phone book. I'm in a clutch at the moment, Mr. Marriott. Your what? I'm busy. I couldn't take on anything big. What have you got in mind? I'd like your services tonight, for just a few hours. I'm meeting some men. I, I'm paying them some money. How much money and what for? I can't go into that. I've simply agreed to serve as the bearer of the money. Oh, you just want me to go along and hold your hand. I'm afraid I don't like your manner. Yeah, I've had complaints before, but it keeps getting worse. How much are you offering me for doing nothing? 
hadn't got around to thinking about it. You suppose you could get around to thinking about it now? How would you like a swift punch on the nose? Oh, dear, I tremble at the thought of such violence. I, uh, I'll give you a hundred dollars. If that isn't enough, say it's so. It's enough, it's enough. This is all I can tell you. Some jewels were taken from a friend of mine in a holdup. I'm buying them back tonight. Where? I'm to drive my car to a rather secluded canyon near Malibu. Uh-huh. We drive out there to buy back some jewelry for a lady friend. I didn't say that. Chances are that these men, whoever they are, don't intend roughing you up if you play ball. But they wouldn't like you being twins. Now, one of us might get hurt. No, Mr. Marriott, I'm afraid I can't do anything for you. I see. But I'll take your hundred bucks and tag along for the ride. One more thing. Yes? I carry the shopping money and I do the driving. Very well. We drove down that night. Somehow I knew we were being watched. I didn't see anything. The fog was a nice dish of puree St. Germain. I felt it coming. I was a toad on a wet rock and a snake was looking down my neck. Slow down. We're getting near the spot. Shh, quiet. There should be some white posts along the road. Pull in your head. In back of the white post, there's a path. The path goes down into a hollow. That's where we're to wait. Hey, hey, look. Huh? White posts. All right, stop the car. Now, you sit tight, and I'll go down and have a look-see. Have you got a flashlight? Yeah. Don't be more than a couple of minutes. There's nobody here, Marriott. This whole setup looks like a tryout, seeing if you obey orders. Let's pull around the corner and... I caught the blackjack right behind my ear and a black pool opened up at my feet. I dived in. It had no bottom. I uh, felt pretty good, just like an amputated leg. I don't know how much time went by. I forgot to look at my watch. But as I came to, I started to call for Marriott. Marriott. Marriott! Are you all right? What happened? Well, who, who are you? Oh. Hey, come back here. Come back here. Hello? Hello? Police headquarters. Let me talk to Randall, Inspector Randall. One moment, please. Inspector Randall? Randall, this is Marlowe. Marlowe? Oh, yeah? Yeah, look. I'm at a gas station down near Malibu, the foot of Woodbridge. So? You better get on here. A guy named Marriott's just been knocked off, beaten to death with a blackjack. I told you a dozen times what happened. I'd like you to tell me again, here in my big, comfortable office. Who killed Marriott? An amateur killed him, or somebody who wanted it to look like an amateur. Nobody else would hit a man that many times with a sap. Ah, the oftener you go over it, the sillier it sounds. I'd sooner dig eggshells out of a garbage can than information out of you. Oh, I get it. You don't like me. Okay, I'll go home. Right after you start talking sense. For instance? For instance, you don't know anything about Marriott. You don't know how much money you were carrying. You don't know what it was supposed to buy back. Trusting soul, wasn't he? Now, where's the dough? Where? Well, right after I beat out Marriott's brains, and just before I hit myself on the top of the head, I hid the money under a bush. Uh, and that dame you claim you saw? Uh, she must have thought I was somebody else. She took one look and got out fast. Suppose a jewel outfit got the bright idea of using a private dick for contacts and uh, payoff. Oh, great, great. Now I'm a finger for a heist mob. Look. I'm trying to be helpful. I get up off the nice cold ground. I don't use the car because Marriott's still in it. I walk five miles. 
just so you can be the first to hear the news. I wait for you at the beach and lead you straight to the body so you won't have to wait till next Christmas to find it. I tell you all I know, it sounds screwy. It is screwy, but it's all I know. Sure. Now I'm tired of your bum guesses. Either book me or let me go home. Milo, you'd slit your own throat for six bits. Plus federal tax. Now look, Randall. Go on home and keep your big yap shut. One phony move and you'll be locked up as a material witness. Whoever killed Marriott, I'll get him. Yeah, you'll get him. About the time you get your third set of teeth. And stay away from Marriott's pals. I've been after those boys for a long time and I'm getting close. So watch your step or I may have to pick you up in the same basket with Jules Amthor. Yeah? Hey, is Jules Amthor mixed up in this? Oh, so you know Amthor. I know lots of people in this town, but I never heard of Jules Amthor. Bad guess, Inspector. Good night, Randall. And keep away from the newspapers. I'll do the talking. Well, I went back to my office the next day. I didn't want to be there because my head felt like a nest of rivets. One of my clients was dead, but the other one was still alive, Moose Malloy. And I figured he might be looking for me. Early in the afternoon, this kid walks in. Yeah, business is getting better and better. Prettier. My name is Ann Allison, Mr. Marlowe. I'm a reporter from the Post. Oh, have a seat, Miss Allison. Police haven't been very helpful on the Marriott murder. I was wondering... There's a question I always ask. How did you know about me? Oh, friends at City Hall. Uh, tell me, did Marriott tell you who owned the jade he was buying back? No. No, he, he didn't. Had you known him long, Marriott? A couple of weeks. Why? Well, I just wondered if you had any theories about, about what happened or what was supposed to happen. Oh, I've, I've got a couple, uh, Say, this is a nice-looking purse. Just what do you mean by opening it? I'd like to prove another theory, that you're not a reporter. Why do dames carry so much stuff in a pocketbook? Give it to me. I was looking for a driver's license, but your bank book will do. And the name on this bank book isn't Allison at all. It's Grail. Anne Grail. Please. Oh, you're a hot rock, baby. I could toss you to the cops. Last night, all I could tell them was that Marriott was buying back some jewelry. You could knock their hats off of that line about the jade. Tell me, Miss Grail, have you ever known a girl named Velma Valento, a singer? I never heard of her in my life. Oh, well, it's just a shot in the dark. Besides, it's another case. I was just hoping... Who does that jade belong to? What's your interest in it? My interest? Well, Marriott gave me a hundred bucks to take care of him, and I didn't. I'm just a small businessman in a very messy business, but I like to follow through on a sale. The jade belongs to my father. Oh, I gathered from Marriott that the jade belonged to a lady. My father happens to be married. Oh, oh. Well, your mother was wearing it the night of the holdup. She's not my mother. My mother's dead. My father married again. Who sent you here to feel me out? my own brilliant idea. I saw your name in the newspaper. Well, before I talk to Inspector Randall, I think I'll have a talk with your father and your father's wife. My car's downstairs. Except that I'm expecting to hear from somebody. Well, in that case, Mr. Marlowe... In that case, I'll go with you just the same. You're really a lot cuter than Moose Malloy. Come on, let's go. <laughs> You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. Irving Pitchell brings our stars back for the second act. With Dick Powell as Philip, Claire Trevor as Helen, June Dupre as Anne, and Mike Mazurki as Moose Malloy, we raise the curtain on Act Two of Murder, My Sweet. Philip Marlowe continues with his story. <laughs> This girl, this Anne Grail, she drove me to her father's place in Brentwood, a cozy eight or nine acres. 
Okay for the average family, only you'd need a compass to go to the mailbox. House was all right, too, but it wasn't as big as Buckingham Palace. I waited while she sold me to the old folks. It was like waiting to buy a crypt in a mausoleum. And then she called me in. Old man Grail looked like a college professor, and the old lady... Hmm, what an old lady. Blonde, gorgeous, and I guess about 30, with a face and a shape that'd make most pinup girls look like Gravel Gertie. She had dimples on her knees, and I was admiring them when the old man started to talk. Do you know anything about jade, Mr. Marlowe? It's, uh... Green, isn't it? The jade stolen from my wife was a necklace, 60 beads of about six carats each. And very valuable, Mr. Marlowe. And there, why don't you sit down? What? Oh, yes. How valuable? A somewhat larger necklace recently brought $125,000. Yes, I never should have worn it. It was stupid. Inexcusable. Where was the stick-up? If you'll excuse me, I'm going to lie down. Mrs. Grail will talk to you. I'm most anxious to locate my jade, Mr. Marlowe. I can only hope it can be managed without any publicity. Wait a minute, Father. I'll go with you. May I mix you a drink, Mr. Marlowe? Thanks. I hadn't thought there were enough murders these days to make detecting very attractive to a young man. Well, I stir up trouble on the side. Uh, Tell me, uh, how much of your money was in Marriott's envelope? $8,000. Water or soda? Scotch. We assumed they'd never guess its real value. Who knew you were going to wear the necklace that night? My maid, perhaps. But I trust her implicitly. Why? Because I trust some people. I trust you. Did you trust Tom Marriott? In some things. You're not drinking, Mr. Marlowe. I thought detectives were heavy drinkers. Well, some detectives just encourage other people to drink. <laughs> Shall I tell you about the hold-up? It uh, might help. Well, I'd been out dancing, and Tom was bringing me home. Where were you stopped? Oh, near here. Does it matter a lot? Oh, not too much at the moment, no. How many other guys take you out dancing? I'm very fond of my husband. Only his two-step's getting a little stiff. (laughs) Miss Grail, do you know Jules Amthor? I've heard Tom speak of him. Why? Oh, I don't know. The cops told me to leave Amthor alone. Is he a bad boy? A lot of Tom's friends are, I'm afraid. Tom was rather a heel himself, but a nice heel. (sighs) You don't know how horrible I feel. Why? Why? Because I'm responsible. I asked Tom to try to buy the necklace back. Oh, I I just can't understand the whole business. All they took was a necklace. I was wearing a ring, too, but they didn't want the ring. Uh, About Jules Amthor, what's his racket? Well, he's sort of a psychic consultant. I think he's a quack. Tom went to him because he was all mixed up. He, He couldn't get started for fear of failure. I wonder if he'd take my case. That sounded like the door closing. It was. Anne's been standing there. Oh, strange child. Mr. Marlowe, you will help me, won't you? Why? Because you like me or are you paying me something in money? Well, I've never hired a detective before. What are the rates? As much as a traffic will bear. How do I find Amthor? Well, he's really quite inaccessible. Yes? Mr. Amthor is here, Mrs. Gray. Well, show him in. Well, don't look so smug. He really is inaccessible. I didn't have the faintest idea he'd be coming. Mr. Marlowe, how do you spend your evenings? I'm in the phone book. Mrs. Grail. Oh, come in, Mr. Amthor. This is Mr. Marlowe. Oh, how do you do? Mr. Marlowe is a private detective. He was with Tom when... when it happened. Oh? I was hired as a bodyguard and bungled the job. Now it's myself I'm investigating. Oh, these things are so difficult to believe. 
What could have happened? I've got a couple of notions. Would you like to help me work them out? Oh, I'm afraid I, I wouldn't make a good detective, Mr. Marlowe, and I'm... Yeah, I know, I know. You're inaccessible. The police told me to keep away from you. You look harmless to me. I'll be very glad to arrange an interview. Just leave your number with Mrs. Grave. Uh, don't go to any special trouble. I'll bring my own crystal ball. Hey, how do you get out of this fun house? I was home that night trying to add things up. Moose Malloy, Marriott, Helen the Beautiful Blonde, and Jules Anthor. I put it all together and it just thumbed its nose at me. I decided to go down to Florian's cafe and split an infinitive when the boss, when the buzzer, changed my plans. I had a visitor, Helen Grail. I just dropped in because I thought you'd be interested in what Anthor had to say. Oh, and here. Shall we call this a retainer? Yeah, let's call it a retainer. Mr. Marlowe, do the police know about me? Would that bother you? Well, my husband has a morbid fear of publicity, and, and he's not at all well. Oh, I'll manage it. Now, about Amthor. Oh, please. I don't like being rushed. I was hoping we could go out somewhere. Do you like the Coconut Beach Club? I've never been there. I'm the drive-in type. <laughs> <laughs> the lights there are very flattering. They'd even mellow you a little, I think. But it's the sort of a place where you're expected to wear shoes and a tie. Mm. I'll be right with you. We went to the Coconut Beach Club. We had a table in the corner. She gave me that dreamy smile and started asking questions. You know, you've got a nice build for a private detective. Oh, it gets me around. How does one get to be a private detective? <laughs> you don't mind my sizing you up a little. Well, most of us are ex-cops. I work for the district attorney. Got canned. Surely not for incompetence. Uh, for talking back. I had an interesting childhood, too, but you didn't drop in on me to get a biography. You'd rather I talked about Amthor. That's right, a good guess. Well, then stay right here. I've got to powder my nose, and then I'll tell you all about it. Well, just be back before I get stuck with a check. To talk with you. Well, hello, Miss Gale. I'd like to talk to you, too, but not now. Do the Grails always hold their family reunions here? It won't take long, what I have to say. Look, honey, I've already got a date. She'll be right back, and I don't want you two slugging it out in public. There's no danger of that. She won't be back. How do you know? Never mind. What did Helen ask you to do? She wanted me to kiss her and find her jade necklace. I may have the order wrong, but that's the general idea. Well, whatever she was willing to pay you, I'll pay you more. Just stay away from her. Why do you look at me like that? I don't know. I seem to remember you from one of my better dreams. You, you, you know, if I... Now what are you looking at? I'll be right back. Uh, hello, Mr. Malloy. Do you like this place better than Florian's? This the babe. I got something for you to do. Look, look, I'm a big boy now. Don't you want me to have any fun at all? I want you should meet a guy. Will you let go of me? Another ten seconds and gangrene will set in these fingers. Thanks. Okay, I'll ditch the babe. I couldn't ditch the babe. The babe had ditched me. First Helen had disappeared, now Anne. Anne had left a card on the table... She'd written on it, I'll keep the offer open. I don't live in Brentwood. My address is 962 North Hoover Street. Moose saw me put the card in my pocket. 
He came over and hustled me out to the curb. There was a car waiting, also a guy to drive the car. He took us to a very ritzy apartment house, showed us up to the penthouse, and then did something that made me rather unhappy. You, uh, you carry a gun, Pally? Oh, I'm so used to packing one, I hardly notices on me. I think maybe I better hold it, eh? Stop the stalling. Let's get inside. He was there, all right, Mr. Hampton. Me and Moose got him. Thank you, Michael. Mr. Hampton, I'd like to, uh, to ask him about Velma. Don't be impatient. You and Michael wait in the other room. Come on, big boy. <clears throat> but you ask him quick. I want to know now. Where did, well, you, where did you pick up Moose Malloy? Where he uh, met at Mrs. Grail's. You said you wanted an interview. Huh? I must insist upon some sort of logical progression. We'll come to Moose Malloy later. As for my profession, my patients regard me highly as a psychic consultant, Mr. Marlowe. Years ahead of my time. Which might be one way of saying that some folks have made some complaints to the cops. It might be. Do you have another theory about me? Yeah, yeah, I do, and it goes like this. Marriott blackmailed rich women, but somebody else found the women for him. Oh. Well, if you're right, I would be that somebody, and I would have Mrs. Grail's jade necklace, wouldn't I? Unless something went wrong, like Marriott losing his nerve and ringing in a private dick, a sucker who'd risk his neck for a C-note, but who might figure a jade necklace would be a nice thing to have in his bank. And would this hypothetical detective be willing to part with it for a consideration? Could be, if he had it. How much of a consideration? Well, it's difficult to say until he produces the jade. He might be bluffing, trying to gain information. In which case, a great psychic, uh, years ahead of his time, might try to beat the truth out of him. You wouldn't suggest that? Only if you wanted to wear your face backwards for a while. No, no, there's no need for us to be at each other's throats, Mr. Marlowe. And there's really no need for subterfuge. Putting it on the simplest and friendliest terms. I want that jade. I suppose I don't have it. I suppose I don't want to sell. You got him to tell you yet? No, Malloy. I asked him where Velma is. He refuses to tell me. Now, wait a minute. I don't like you not telling me where you got Velma. Well, if Amthor told you I know where Velma Valento is, he's nuts. He just picked you up to do his dirty work. I gave you some dough to find her. Well, keep your shirt on and stop dancing me around. He's lying, Malloy. He knows. Where you got her? I haven't got her, you dimwit. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have hit me. All right, now, the two of you. Stay just where you are. What do you got to pull a gun for? Where's that necklace, Marlowe? If you tell me, I can stop Moose. I don't know. Very well, Moose. He's yours. Make him talk. So Moose went to work. Those fingers went around my throat tighter and tighter. That black pool opened up at my feet again, and I dived in. The rest of it was a crazy, cold-cut dream. I was going somewhere. I'd never been there before. I was drugged. Somebody had told me full of juice. I was in the land of poppies, and I met a lot of interesting people. Necklace, Mr. Marlowe. Where is the necklace? I'm all right. What happened? I'm all right. You should have hit me like that. You should have hit me. Because I trust some people, I trust you. Because I trust some people. Help. Somebody, please help. Better make it just that, Harry. 
Then I knew I couldn't go to sleep. Not if I wanted to stay alive. I could still feel those fingers on my throat. I even saw them. Just a bunch of bananas that looked like fingers. I wondered what I was full of. Something to keep me quiet, or was that dope to make me talk? Maybe both. Okay, Marlo, I said to myself, you're a tough guy. You've been sapped, choked, and shot in the arm till you're crazy as a couple of waltz and mice. But you got to get up and start moving. Let's see you do something really tough, like putting on your pants. Well, I made it. Okay, you cuckoo. Your pants are on, now walk. And talk. What about? Anything, everything. Just talk and keep walking. You're getting out of here. Walk! I walked, I don't know how long. That kind of time they don't make in a watch. And then the smoke went away. The room turned into a room, and I knew I was ready to talk to somebody. I tore the bed apart and got a hunk of bed spring, and then I started to shout again. Help! Help! Mike walked in again, and I let him have it. Oh, that was a nice feeling. I crept down the stairs. There was a man in an office. The doctor's office, it looked like. I was in front of him before he saw me, but his hand went for the buzzer right away. That buzzer won't buy anything tonight, Doc. I just gave Nursey a sleeping tablet. For three days, sir, you have been a very sick man. Three days? You're swaying right now. Don't you realize that? I'm, I'm all cured, Doc. Now, what were you saying? I made no remark. I thought I heard you saying that you had a gun in that desk. And that if, that if you were very careful, you could sneak it out. A very stupid thing to do, Mr. Marlowe. Uh, a gun. It's better. Now, talk some more. You've been suffering from narcotic poisoning. On account of you, popped me full of it. Speak up, Dr. Jekyll. I'm in a wild mood tonight. I haven't shot a man in a week. You very nearly died, sir. I had to give you digitalis. Also a little something to make me talk. What was I supposed to talk about? Maybe a jade necklace I haven't got? Mr. Amthor will be disappointed in you again. Never disappoint Mr. Amthor, Doc. It depresses him. I'm warning you, Mr. Marlowe. At any moment, you'll collapse. I must insist on your going back to bed. Get away from me. The gun, please. I want that gun. You're going to faint, Mr. Marlowe. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, but not on this carpet. I'll do my folding on a nice hard street. You'll never reach that door. Well, before I try, I'm going to rip something off. No, not your head. Just the telephone. So long, Doc. I'll look you up when I get insomnia again. I staggered out to the street and down to the corner. Then I thought I was seeing things again. Yep, there he was, Moose Malloy. I couldn't have knocked the ashes off a cigarette when I tried to swing on him. He just held me up and started talking. You shouldn't have to fight with me. You ain't in such good shape. I'll, I'll murder you. I don't like to fight with nobody. I want for you to keep looking for Velma. Who planted you here, Amthor? Amthor tells me about you. But he was kidding all the time. Uh, he was kidding the pants off you, Buster. He doesn't want you to find your girl. Nobody's supposed to find Velma. He's got other plans. You ain't in such good shape. I'd better help you. Then get me a cab, you dopey gorilla. Where do you want to go? What's that card you got? It says 962 North Hoover Street on the card. You saw me pick up this card in the Coconut Beach Club. That's where the babe lives, huh? Yeah. I think I'll find out why she's living alone and if she really likes it. Now get me a cab. What are you doing 
want? Black coffee, Miss Grail. Eggs and a scotch and soda. You're drunk. You better get out before... Hey, this is a nice place here. Is there room for you in the Brentwood Palace, or don't you like it out there? Why did you come here? Because the cops may be looking for me, and I'm not ready to talk. You're not drunk. Why do you look the way you do? Yeah, ask the second Mrs. Grail. She fixed up a blind date for me with Jules Amthor and a couple of his whipping boys. What happened? Are you all right? Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to be alive. Um, Say that again. Say what again? The last thing you said. I said, what happened? Are you all right? Miss Grail, what were you doing out there in the canyon the night Marriott was killed? I was lying on my face when somebody threw a flashlight and asked me if I was all right, and then she said, what happened? Yeah, a girl with red hair and a crooked nose and a nice figure. Yes, a girl named Anne Grail. I didn't kill Marriott. You weren't out there just taking a hike. I didn't kill him. I'd say you overheard Marriott and your stepmother making some sort of arrangements about the jade. What if I did? You knew Marriott had been holding hands with her and you didn't like that. I hate her. And you hated him, too. You hated anybody that had anything to do with Helen, so you bumped him off. You killed Tom Marriott. I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. Back now to Irving Pitchell and our stars. The curtain rises on Act Three of Murder, My Sweet, starring Dick Powell as Philip Marlowe, Claire Trevor as Helen, June Dupre as Anne, and Mike Mazurki as Moose Malloy. Philip Marlowe is in the apartment of Anne Grail, whom he has just accused of murder. I stood there in Anne Grail's apartment and accused her of killing Marriott. I was sure she hadn't done it, but I had to find out what she knew. I know just what you're thinking. If I didn't kill him, my father did. And if he did, you'd do anything to protect him? No. No, he couldn't do such a thing. Uh, I don't buy it either yet. I was just trying it on for size. Won't you please go home? I, I'm expecting a date. I... I, I can't go home. There's a very stubborn character named Inspector Randall. And if he isn't on my doorstep right now waiting to pick me up, then two of his stooges are. So relax. It... Hey, your date? Probably. Wait here. Tell him you've decided to have a quiet little supper with me. Yes? My name's Randall. I'd like a word with your boyfriend. Oh, I was just talking about you, Inspector. I've been looking for you for three days. Pull up a chair. Miss Grail was about to fix some soft-boiled eggs and scotch. You wouldn't join us. Last time I saw you, I gave you some good advice. I guess it didn't take, huh? I didn't bother Amthor. I was going to, but it didn't get around to it. He got to me. Yeah, he gave me quite a party. How'd it go? What'll it buy me? This is straight, Randall. You'd like to get Amthor, and I'd like to help you. He annoyed me a little. I'm listening. Well, Amthor's a tough turkey. Works some kind of blackmail routine on dames who come to him with problems. I think Marriott was his contact man. Let's get to the new part, huh? Uh, The jewelry Marriott was after was a jade necklace that belonged to one of Amthor's patients. Well, Marriott fumbled the ball. Yeah? So Amthor figured I had it. He sent me to a little rest home where the teacher to talk. There's a guy there who's a whiz with a hypo. The address is 23rd and Descanso. Okay, okay. Who owns the jade? I told you. One of Amthor's patients. By the name of, uh... 
I don't know. Oh, Miss Grail. Yes? When were you last at your father's place in Brentwood? Not for several days. Is something wrong? Skip it, skip it. Milo, I figure what you told me is on the level. But don't make a habit of trying to help me. I might get grateful and lock you up. Uh, give me a call tomorrow. How could he know about me? I don't know. That's what happens when you let a cop go to school. He gets smart. <laughs> now fix up your face. We, we got to get out of the marble quarry. Where? Brentwood. Oh. What's the matter? Oh, it's a funny thing. About every third day I get hungry. I, I can fix eggs and coffee if you want to wait. You know, you're crazy. Everybody takes a poke at you. They fill, fill you full of drugs, but you bounce right back and hit between tackle and land all over again. And I don't think you even know which team you're on. I don't know which team anybody's on. I don't even know who's playing today. At Brentwood, we saw Mr. Grail, and I've seen healthier-looking gents in the county morgue. His face was gray with worry. Something was eating him. More important than a missing jade necklace. A missing wife. Helen left yesterday. I haven't heard from her since. And have you seen her? Have you? No, dear, but maybe... Well, maybe she went to the beach house. Beach house? It had been rented to Marriott indirectly through the bank. I think I'd better have a look at it. This whole thing has gone too far. Oh? Or maybe it's coming too close to home. Mr. Grail, I don't say you killed Marriott, but you could have... For a good old-fashioned motive. I did not kill him, Mr. Morrow... But I say it is better that he is dead. I'm not concerned if the police suspect me. I'm concerned about my wife. I, I'm losing her. Father, And that please. is why I say all this has got to stop. You'll drop the case, Mr. Morrow. I'll pay you well. Oh, fine. I get dragged in, get money shoved at me. I get pushed out, get money shoved at me. Everybody pushes me in, everybody pushes me out. Nobody wants me to do anything. Okay, skip it. I'll put a check in the mail. Yeah, well, I cost a lot to do nothing. I get restless. Throw on a trip to Mexico. Father, where are you... Stay here. Why? Because I want a key to that beach house. But you just told him. I can't stop now. Do the cops stop? Does Helen stop? Do you stop? What do you mean, does, does Helen stop? Oh, I don't know. If I always knew what I meant, it'd be a genius. You're vicious. You get some horrible satisfaction seeing people torn apart. Sister... You're hanging on to something that's going to smack you hard. If I stick, it smacks you sooner, sooner and cleaner. Maybe that's why I'm sticking. Oh, but I'd stick anyway, because a guy who hired me got killed. I'll... I'll get you the key. We went to the beach house. Things happened there. Some of them I can explain. One thing I can't. After we took a, took a look around, Anne and I were standing there in the dark looking out that big front window toward the ocean, and before I knew it, we were in a clinch. Oh, it's nice to kiss a girl like Ann Grail. I told her she had a cute little face, even if her nose was slightly crooked. It isn't crooked. Just has a bump on it where I got hit with a baseball. I used to play shortstop. Philip. Yeah? What about my father? If we don't find I'm Helen... I'm going to make you mad now, baby, but here goes. Your father really loves Helen... When I came along, you were afraid she might turn me into another Marriott. So you tried to buy me off. That didn't work, and I began to suspect your father. A real tough guesser might say that when he couldn't buy me off either, you decided to be nice to me. Like just now. There's nothing decent about you, is there? Nothing at all. I, I don't always guess right. I, I may be wrong. I, I think I am wrong. Sometimes I hate all men. 
Young men, handsome men who don't work for a living and, and almost heels who are private detectives. <laughs> Helen. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. But you should know by now that men play rough. They soften you up and then they belt you one. Hello, Mr. Marlowe. Hi. I didn't finish, Helen. I hate a lot of women, too. Especially beautiful, expensive blondes. All bubble bath and moonlight. And, and inside, cold and hard like blue steel. Only not that clean. Your slip is showing, darling. I'm leaving. I'll tell Father you're here. Well, how long have you been here, Mrs. Grayle? Since yesterday. You just happened to leave the Brentwood place before the cops dropped in on your husband? Oh, please. Look, you hired me to get your necklace, so you stand me up at a corny rum joint and tell Amthor. I'm sorry. I, I thought you might have had the jade. Please, please don't blame me. You could have had it. What Amthor did, was it bad? Uh, it almost made me mad. No. <laughs> now, just what goes between you two? Well, he's blackmailing me. Well, that much even I can figure out. My husband is in love with me. I'm... I'm fond of him, and I'm grateful, but I find other men very attractive. I imagine they meet you halfway. I met Amthor through Tom Marriott. He's smart. He does know psychology. He got me talking, and of course I talked too much. He uncovered something, and the blackmailing started. I think if my husband had found out, it would have killed him. So you agreed to give Amthor the necklace? But before I could, it was stolen. By Marriott? Must have been. Amthor probably came to the same conclusion. He decided to kill him, and that's why Marriott wanted you for protection. All right, I'll, I'll buy it up to there. What happens now? I want you to help me kill Jules Amthor. Don't you see? You're the only one I can turn to. It's the only way I'll ever have peace. He'll never be satisfied, even if he does get the jade. Why me? Because I have a gun or just because I wear pants? Oh, please. Please, I need you so. I need help and peace desperately. I need you. Have you got anything worked out? Yes, but Amthor has disappeared. Uh, maybe I can find him. Well, then tell him you've got the jade and you're ready to sail. Then what? Well, that's my part. All right, uh, I'll dig him up. Oh, you're... You're wonderful. How would you like not having to earn a living? Wouldn't bother me a bit. <sighs> When will you be back? Uh, I may have a time finding him. Maybe not till tomorrow night. Oh, would you mind kissing me goodbye? No, Please. I wouldn't mind at all. I went straight to Amthor's apartment. I had a couple of keys, and one of them fitted the back door. I wanted to surprise Amthor. I thought it would give him a bang. I thought it would kill him. Amthor was on the living room floor. He wasn't must just snapped, the way a pretty girl would snap a stalk of celery. Only for this job, you'd have to be a big man with a big pair of hands. I hustled downtown, bought a late edition. I wanted to see how the police were doing on the Marriott murder. And while I was looking at the paper, somebody was looking at me. I've been trying to find you all over. I got to go away. Yeah, yeah, Amthor's dead. I know, you didn't mean to kill him. You just shook him too hard because you wouldn't tell you where Velma is. You find her? Yeah, Moose, I find her. Where is she? You tip the Johns off on her. I wouldn't want little Velma to do no stretch. Turn me loose. Turn me loose and stop waltzing me around. If the Johns got Velma... Nobody's got her. She's got herself. Yeah, you can see her tomorrow. Okay. Now go hide yourself and be here tomorrow night as soon as it gets dark. 
Moose showed up tonight like I told him. I sold him on waiting outside the beach house until I called him. That was like lighting a stick of dynamite and telling it not to go off. But I had a plan. Helen was waiting for me. Philip, Philip, did you find him? Did you find Amthor? He'll be here around 12. 12. Would you like to look at this? Hmm? This is it, Philip. The necklace. Where'd you get it? I went to Brentwood today. Got it out of my dressing table drawer. Surprise. In a flabbergasted sort of way, yes. It was never stolen. You faked the whole thing? I simply wasn't going to let Amthor get it. When he comes, he can take a look at it. Well, he, he may have a gun. He'll never get that far. So have I. You went to Brentwood. Then where's Anne and your father? I can't say. They were out. And now I'm going to be very grateful. Here, the necklace. It's yours. You're much too nice to be a grubby detective all your life. You told Marriott this thing had been stolen. Why? Well, he was close to Amthor. They both had to think it was stolen. Marriott fell for that? Of course. And you still think Amthor killed him? Who else? You. Oh, no. No, you, you can't mean that. Yes, I think Marriott was scared because he'd agreed to help you kill a nosy detective. The same detective Moose took to Florian's joint, the one Florian told Marriott about. Marriott had to help you protect his interest. You knew that. You were a living to him and to Amthor and, his, and in his modest way to Florian. You supported them. They knew you wouldn't be worth blackmailing if I found you for Moose Malloy. Oh, no, no, so I was nifty thinking, darling. At the canyon, one of us would get out of the car. It didn't matter who. Either way, you had Marriott and me separated, and you would tag us one at a time and get your 8,000 bucks and knock off Amthor later. Yeah, it might have worked, too, if it hadn't been for Anne chasing down there after you. Of course, my head's pretty hard. It's true. It's all true. Everybody was closing in on me. I didn't know which way to turn. And it almost worked, sister. I was almost as dead as Marriott. But killing a man with a blackjack, oh, that's no work for a lady. Well, after, after it happened, I, I didn't know what you would do. But now I'm, I'm so close to peace. So close. Just, just Amthor. But I can't face it alone. Don't desert me now. Sure. Amthor blackmailed you. He's got something on you, only it isn't what you told me. It isn't just men. Your husband could understand the men... No, it's the clink looming up. And it's no good understanding the clink. Moose is looking for you, Velma. Where is he? Where is Moose? Waiting for me to call him in. Eight years ago when you were his girl, what did you talk Moose into doing? He went to jail for you. Was it murder or something serious? Where are you going? To tell him that his red head has turned blonde. Come back. Huh? Oh. Oh, a gun. Well, well, it fits your personality better than a blackjack. And the pearl handle goes swell with your fingernail polish. You know, it's too bad it has to be like this. Don't move. Who is it? Well, well, come in, come in. Darling, that gun, what are you... Close that door, Anne. Your timing, dear, gets worse and worse. We've been listening. Why didn't you tell me you were in such trouble? I wanted to spare you. I might have been able to prevent all this. Now, of course, it's too late, Mr. Marlowe. I see your point. Helen, if Mr. Amthor is coming, I think perhaps you'd better do it quickly. Father! Get inside, dear. Keep your hands up, Mr. Marlowe. I'll have to take your gun. I'll be with Anne, Helen. Oh, all by ourselves again. Yes, you know, this will be the first time I ever killed anyone I knew so little about and, and like so much. You and I, just a couple of mugs. But we could have got along. 
What's stopping us now? I can handle Moose. He broke Amthor's neck yesterday. What did you say? Something I shouldn't have. Amthor is dead. Yeah? Then that leaves only you. I'm sorry, but you know too... <gasps> too... too much. I have to do it, Mr. Marlow. I had to kill her. Hello, hello. Let's have the police. Give me that phone. Give it to me. Don't you realize he saved your life? Why must you suffer for that? The cops always like to solve murders done with my gun. She's dead, isn't that enough? She was evil, all evil. I think I hear a shot, Mr. Marlowe. I think I better come in. Moose. Moose, it didn't work out the way I planned. Never mind. I'd like to talk to Velma now. I'd... Moose. Don't touch her. She ain't hardly changed. Just like always. Cute as a bug's ear. I wasn't going to bother her none. She done all right. Who done this? I did. You shouldn't have killed her. Moose. You shouldn't have killed Velma. Moose. Get out of my way. Don't come any closer, please. Moose, will you listen to me? Moose! That old black pit opened up again right on schedule. Blacker than the others and deeper. Well, that's the works. That's all I know on account I didn't see so well with my eyeballs scorched. They didn't keep me long at the hospital. Two hours ago, Randall came and picked me up. And everything I've been telling you, I've been telling him. He's sitting right here in front of me now. I wish I could see Randall. Wish the bandage wasn't on my face. I want to look at his ugly kisser and figure out what he's thinking. Marlo? Huh? There's a piece of paper here on my desk, a warrant for your arrest. I'm tearing it up. Oh, thanks. Uh, tonight, uh, when it happened, I, I heard the shots. I still don't know who got hit. It wasn't the kid, was it, Randall? No. No, you can get out of here now if you want to. You mean I'm sprung? Who backed me up? Who got shot? I heard three. Moose Malloy. Dead? Yes, and Grail. While they were fighting for the gun. Anne's okay, then. Huh. She thought it over while I was in the hospital and came around and backed me up, right? I didn't say. <laughs> McNulty, see if he gets home. Yeah. I'll buy you a ride in a cab, Marlowe. Hey, what are you putting in my pocket? The necklace. She gave it to you, didn't she? Yeah, I tried it on. It's wrong for my complexion. Then give it to your girlfriend. Strangle yourself with it. No, just go on, beat it. Let's go, Marlowe. Well, you can come in now, Miss Grail. Why didn't you tell him? Why did you have to keep him guessing? About your backing him up? Why don't you tell him? You can catch him outside. Just give Nolte the high sign. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, nothing. Yeah? What do you know about that redhead pitching for me? Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, are we alone or am I hearing things? What things? Like someone else is walking with us. Oh, you're on the street. Lots of people walk on the street. Oh, oh. She had a cute figure, huh? I, I didn't notice. You must be low on vitamins. Oh, she had more than a figure, too. Not a beautiful face, but a good face. I, I didn't notice. Mm, face like a Sunday school picnic. Oh, there's a cab down the block. Say, are you sure we're alone? Hey, hey, cab! Yes, sir. Oh, well, I guess she thought I liked the blonde chewing on my face. Wish I could tell her. I wish I could... Duck your head, Marlowe. This here's the cab. Where to, mister? 800 South Kingsley. Yes, sir. Hey, Nulty, I... 
Hey, what goes? If I didn't have these bandages over my eyes... You go eye. to the same address too, lady? Uh, Nolte, I haven't kissed anybody in a long time. Would it be all right if I kissed you, Nolte? I think it would be just fine. I said, are you going to the same... Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess you are. <laughs> Now that we've cleared Dick Powell of murder, the rest of our cast can get back on their feet and join him at the footlights for a curtain call. You should have been in tonight's cast, Irving. You used to play in pictures. Well, thanks, Dick. But I'm too old to go through what you went through in tonight's play. Tell me, Claire, how does it happen that a nice girl like you always gets to play the bad girl roles? Oh, I don't know, Irving. I guess they've got me typed. They had Dick Powell typed for a while, but look what he's doing now. That's right, June. Next week, he starts a whole new radio series as a tough detective. You mean I might yet get a chance to play a sweet young housewife? And how about me, Mr. Pitchell? Do you think I could play Hansel and Gretel with Margaret O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you took a course in compression, Mike. You mean expression. No, I mean compression. Or else learn to walk on your knees and keep your hands behind your back. <laughs> uh, well, what do we do with June Dupre, Irving? Well, we just pat her on both cheeks and tell her to stay as sweet as she is. Oh, now, here, you aren't falling for that Lux complexion, Pitch. Why not? Other men have. That's right, Irving. That's why so many of us use Lux toilet soap. Look, uh, Pitch, while we're getting everybody out of acting ruts, what, uh, what sort of a role would you give yourself if you went back to acting? Well, you were mostly a heavy in pictures, weren't you? Yes, and I rather fancy myself in a light musical comedy part. You know, the kind of bright young chap who sings, Smile the while, let a smile be your style. You <laughs> Look, Irving, I, I think you'd better stick to making pictures. Incidentally, I understand from Paramount that you did great things with a medal for Benny. Well, I had a good story there to work with, Dick. A homeboy whose rival in love is an overseas hero. And a good cast. I'm looking forward to it, Irving. But uh, tell me, what do you have on Lux next week? Well, for next week, we have an altogether charming story with a most delightful cast. The Canterville Ghost, starring Margaret O'Brien, Charles Lawton, and Tom Drake. Take a group of high-spirited American commandos, billet them in an ancient British castle where their hostess is Lady Margaret O'Brien, and then haunt that castle by the most notorious ghost in England, and you have the elements of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's entertaining and extraordinary comedy. The Canterville Ghost can haunt my house next Monday, Pitch. Good night. Good night. Good night. And all our thanks. This week, America salutes the Army's famous Quartermaster Corps on its 107th anniversary. The oldest supply branch of the armed forces, the Fighting Quartermasters, are seeing to it that American soldiers are the best fed, best clothed, best cared for fighting men in history. Theirs has been a gallant contribution to the cause of freedom. This is Irving Pitchell saying good night from Hollywood. Every day, as the war against Japan increases in intensity, the need for waste, fats, and greases grows more critical. Here's one department where the enemy may be superior unless you help make up the difference from your kitchens. Save all waste, fats, and greases, no matter how discolored. Keep a clean can in which to strain them and take them regularly to your butcher. Remember, for every pound, he'll give you four cents plus two extra meat points. Murder, My Sweet was presented through the cooperation of RKO Studios, producers of Enchanted Cottage. Dick Powell appeared through the courtesy of the Fitch Bandwagon and will shortly be seen in the RKO picture, Cornered. 
Claire Trevor will soon appear in RKO's Johnny Angel. Mike Mazurki is currently working on the RKO version of Dick Tracy. Heard in tonight's cast were Cy Kendall, Gerald Moore, Robert Regent, Norman Field, Eddie Marr, Dora Singleton, Charles Seal, Ed Emerson, and Leo Sharon. Our music was directed by Louis Silvers. This program is broadcast to our fighting forces overseas through cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1945 Lux Radio Theater adaptation of Murder, My Sweet, starring Dick Powell. And we remind you that WSHDLP Eastport is a non-commercial station and does not endorse any products. Salty Papa Blues. That was Albinia Jones with Don Bias's Swing 7 in 1945. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. 
Thank you and see you next week. Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady. Join me for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. I'm all about that bass. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. Your kids can ask your parents what that means. Every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. Listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you miss the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport.